We believe running is freedom and empowerment. We believe running solves problems and makes people happy. We even believe that if more people run, the world will be a better place. We believe in running because it is our passion. This is the Big Peach Running Company Run ATL Podcast with your host, Mike Cosentino. Season's greetings, friends, and welcome to the Christmas edition of the Run ATL Podcast. My name is Mike Cosentino, and with gray in my beard, eggnog in my cup, and my running socks hung by the chimney with care, I am indeed full of holiday cheer today. Thank you for making such a jolly good choice and joining along like Rudolph to Santa or Fred Gailey to Chris Kringle. For those of you who can take your Christmas time television back a little bit further, I too have my trusty companion alongside. He is Dolomite Dave Martinez D2. Happy holidays to you. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas to you, your family, and to all of our listeners out there. It's definitely been a fun year. Um, So by the time this podcast airs, I will be down in uh, sunny Florida and, uh, you know, with uh, sand between my toes, hopefully, and, uh, (laughs) you know, a little bit warmer than what you're probably experiencing here in Atlanta. And with our production schedule, I believe this is released on Christmas Day. It is. So with that, just having this special occasion this year falling on a Monday, we're going to stick to our release schedule of every two weeks on a Monday, even though it is Christmas Day. But equally as important, D2, this is the last episode, as you said, of 2017. So we did something really, really special. We always have special guests as our featured conversation. But when we say special this time, it really means something to us because for the first time ever, we are getting teammates of ours at Big Peach Running Company together to join us. Yes, that's true. I mean, uh, these guys, I mean, I would consider them friends. I've worked with uh, most of them for, you know, uh, for some like Grant, uh, who you'll meet uh, in a little bit. You know, we started almost the same day. And, uh, you know, so we've raced together, we've worked together, and some of the new guys like Fernando and Sean, who I've uh, gotten to know a little bit uh, over the last couple of years. Fernando, I know a little bit longer because our paths crossed through the triathlon world, and, uh, and Tyler and I work together as well. So, I mean, I consider them friends, and uh, it's great to have them on the podcast as well. Indeed, the last installment for 2017 of the Run ATL podcast, it is going to be fun. So buckle up, y'all. After this brief message, I'll be back with some introductions of someone who ran a 170-mile race. That's right, 170 miles. We will also have a former Atlantic Coast Conference standout who banked a wicked fast marathon PR this year, and someone, D2, who we here likes to run in the nude. That is right, y'all. A birthday suit, Harrier, and to pay proper homage to the soft skills, we will also have the fearless leader of this posse with us, another former Division I collegiate athlete, now balancing his running with other hobbies and the demands alongside us with a career path that requires plenty of hours put in. Of course, all of us wanting to not just maintain our fitness routine, but also healthy relationships. He'll just speak in to the soft skills that are necessary there. In short, we are going to help you finish this year right 
and start next year even better. Do not go anywhere. We'll be right back with this special episode after this message. Do you hear that? The trails are calling and you must go. You deserve a runcation this spring, so why not join us on April 20th through the 22nd for this all-inclusive getaway designed for hikers, trail runners, mountain lovers, and outdoor enthusiasts alike. Experience a relaxing weekend full of trails, award-winning food, luxurious accommodations, local libations, and a great time with your Big Peach Running Company host. Whether you're a new or experienced trail runner, you'll have a great time. Go to bigpeachrunningco.com forward slash spring dash break for all the details. Come on out and enjoy the trails. We'll take care of the rest. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Run ATL podcast in D2. This is really cool as we welcome our esteemed panel of Big Peach Running Company teammates. This is a first for us. And this is going to be fun. With us now, we have Tyler Tomey, Sean Nagorni, Grant Kendall, and Fernando DeValle. Guys, this is the pinnacle, huh? The Run ATL podcast. For me, it's not going to get any better than this, having a chance to sit with you guys. How is everybody doing? It's good. Great. Great. Yeah. Thanks for having us. It is our pleasure. In fact, when we hear thanks for having us, I think all of you know, individually and collectively, and I think I speak for D2 when I say this. You guys are just impressive. I mean, you really are. And, and I hope you know that you inspire me. I know you inspire people every single day with whether it's guidance that you give them or just an opportunity to pursue something that now they have more confidence to do. And that's really going to be what we're going to do this evening. We're going to have a chance to kind of use 2017 and the stories and some of the achievements that each of you have as a way to kind of say what a banner year it has been, not just for y'all, but for everybody who is listening. And then we're going to also take advantage of the knowledge you have, things that you've picked up this year and in your past to give people an opportunity to look into the future and say, you know what? Me too. I will be better next year. We have the good fortune of just kind of serving as a guide and being part of stories that we tell every single day. And that's kind of what we're going to do this evening. So I'm going to put you guys on the spot one by one to start with T2. You are kind of the leader of this Motley crew. So I'm going to start with you. And gentlemen, listen to these first three questions because before I get personal, you are also going to get these same three questions. So T2, just as a place to start, what age, what age did you start running? Um, It was in middle school. So I started on the middle school track team in seventh grade. Okay. So that falls very nicely into my next question. What was your first running event? Was it a track meet on the middle school team? Okay. It was actually, no, before that. Before that? Yeah. Do um, tell. So, um, and this is actually funny because we share the first, uh, same first race, which is the Bix. Yes, I Iowa. forgot about that. The uh-huh. Big 7, Davenport, yeah. Iowa. That uh-huh. is. T2 and I go way back even before we knew each other. Our first race, both of us, different years. He's quite a bit younger than I am in Davenport, Iowa. The Big 7. Do you remember mm-hmm. the name of the title sponsor? Uh, Quad City Times. Quad City uh-huh. Times, kind of like the AJC Peachtree Road Race, where the local publication was the title sponsor. <laughs> All right, then tell us, how did you fare in that inaugural race? Um, so what's funny about it is um, for the Sea Times, they just let you write what you think you were going to run. So me and my brother were pretty confident. I think we put like 45 minutes or something for a seven-mile race. Uh, so we got really uh, small number of bids. And you were way up front to right. start. And we're very young, and everyone's pointing at us thinking we're very fast. 
Future um, Olympians. Right, exactly. <laughs> Didn't go so well. Um, I got some cramps, but I finished. Uh, and yeah, I, I actually still remember a lot of bits and pieces from that race. So you started when you were really young, and then you take on a big distance like seven miles, and, and ultimately you finish. And that leads me into my question to start with, with you, because I think there are a lot of our listeners, and I know Dave and I can relate to this, and that is there's just a lot going on with you. And for most of those who listen to the Run ATL podcast on a regular basis, they've got a lot going on too. For those of you who do not personally know Tyler, he is in the midst of finishing his schooling. He is one of our leadership team members here. He has a variety of hobbies and talents. He has relationships that are important. So when you think about 2017 and everything you've done, what's been kind of the secret to being able to keep all those balls in the air and to have that much on your plate, not let your fitness routine suffer, and quite frankly, get as much done as you have? Um, one of the things that I'm really proud about myself is, um, and I feel like it's this is hard for a lot of people, is... Um, I feel like I have a good grasp on what I need in my life to make me happy. Um, so I've really prioritized those things, um, whether it's uh, getting and running, whether it's um, being making these close relationships better for me, uh, making sure I'm doing all I can at work and everything that kind of goes into it that's important to me um, is all prioritized and I don't let one thing take over the other. Well, I think that's that's really good advice. If you go back and listen to what Tyler just said, think about this for a second for all of us that know that 2018 is going to be really, really busy. And he just mentioned so casually, I got to kind of know myself and ultimately I determined what was important and then set priorities and then treated your days and your weeks, your months, and ultimately this past year accordingly. And I think that's that's great advice for all of us. One of the things I'll say and certainly for those of us who have the good fortune of working with people for a significant amount of time, I've seen you kind of grow into much, much, much better time management skills and truly living out that this is a priority, I'm gonna make time for it, and in many instances, this is not a priority and I'm just going to have to, at least for now, say no or not yet. So that's, that's really, really cool. All right. We're going to go over to Sean. So Sean has a terrific history, Atlantic Coast Conference, standout athlete at Wake Forest. My personal history with Sean is that Wake Forest was one of those despised universities in my past at one point. So he's giving me reason to kind of become a little bit more enamored with the Demon Deacons. Sean, same three questions. What age did you start running? I would have to say I, I got my start with running in uh, gym class actually the gym class mile and I'm sure a lot of us you know uh, had that going on when the, when they were young and you know it was an annual event you know they'd line you up usually the end of the year and you you know you run a mile outside and and I was always you know head of the pack and it just kind of grew from there every year I'd get faster and then you know you go into middle school and run middle school, middle school track and just kind of took off from there and uh, so it was middle school when you first started running and it really was the prompting of a PE class correct yes and did you find that it was a competitive nature that kind of drove you out there or was it just a requirement and you didn't have any other choice and you just gutted your way through it honestly i i, I like the feeling of being out front uh, that I, I it was thrilling to me i i really enjoyed that be, to be good, good at something like that and i always wanted to improve upon it and I think that drove me. Okay, so you were pretty good out of the gate. So then if we go to the second question, what was your first running event outside of that middle school mile? I'd have to say the, the most significant 
first race for me, and it wasn't really my first race, but uh, I think the most significant race for me was the district meet my freshman year, cross country. District meet, you grew up where? In uh, York, Pennsylvania. Awesome, district meet in Pennsylvania. Yes, and this uh, occurred at Hershey in Hershey, Pennsylvania. It was the district mm -hmm. course, and I was, I was a freshman, and I was number five, number four, number five on the team most of the year, and I ended up being the number one guy uh, that race in being the last individual qualifier for the state meet. And as a freshman. As a freshman. And so I got state experience right off the bat, and uh, I think that propelled me. It was, it was something I wasn't expecting, and uh, from there, just things just kind of took off. And, I, and I, that's when I first realized I can really do this. So two things, and of course I was going to ask you, how did you fare? You just indicated how you fared. You had what I would think most of us would term a breakout race. And for all of those out there that are wondering, can that happen for me? Is it possible that I put in all this training and I don't get the results and then just one day I show up and it happens? You're living proof that it does. The other thing that I'm going to quickly, quickly say to all the administrators and parents out there, if you think about how important physical education classes are, and we know there are too many places where there are less hours and less classes in their entirety that are dedicated to that, and to know that you now have a lifetime of fitness ahead of you and what has been a really successful journey thus far that was prompted by that, my goodness, I hope that generations to come have the same good fortune that we did where that was important. We had to go out and run the mile, whether it was to impress the girls or whether it was just to kind of compete against ourselves, knowing that that time was gonna get posted meant enough to go at, train, and make it happen. All right, so we know we said you went on, you ran at Wake Forest, part of the ACC. This year, however, those days are in the rear view. This year, however, one of the things that was super cool was you made a statement to me earlier this year that you had intended to finish your marathon, have a PR, and kind of have another breakout race for you at a totally different distance. This is not a middle school track meter cross country match. This is 26.2 miles. Give us an idea of how that race went, and then I am going to ask you to unfold for us your training and why everything came together so perfectly. Well, I, I've certainly developed a love-hate relationship with the marathon. <laughs> it's, um, it's been difficult for me uh, for a number of reasons. I think partly because I always thought of myself as more of a miler type, maybe 5K guy in college. And when I attempted to run my first marathon, it was New York City Marathon 2009. And I just jumped in. Um, I actually didn't have a qualifying time. didn't go through the lottery. I did the team for kids through the New York Roadrunners. Okay. Raised a certain amount of money to get a, get a spot. And I didn't really have a training plan per se specifically. And, you know, I, I put in some mileage, you know, what I, what I thought I could do at the time. And so I got up there and ran uh, three hours and 30 seconds. And I would have dipped under three hours had I not had a, a porter potty stop with, uh, in Central <laughs> Park with about a mile and a half to go. And, uh, and that was but, your first marathon. That was my first marathon. So just to set the record straight, not everybody at Big Peach Running Company <laughs> runs their first marathon at approximately three hours. Right. It's, you know, I, I was a little disappointed because I, I thought, you know, I, you know, I have some background in running. I should be able to run, you know, maybe 240, 250, but I had no clue what, what to expect. I, you know, I, I finally learned you really need to have a specific mindset about the marathon and it, it's a process. 
And so I got my Boston qualifier there. So I ran Boston uh, uh, that next April, and I, I ran a couple minutes faster. But the the common theme, the common thread with this is, after the race, I went to the medical tent both times, and that has never happened to me. Uh, hypothermia, you know, just it might. I think in New York, uh, my core temperature was like ninety three something, wow. and I was like, that's not really good. That's that's pretty dangerous. That, so, so just, I'm just curious. Did you know even while you were finishing in Central Park that man, I don't feel all that well. I'm probably going to need to go, or did it just come on after the race it, and you knew I'm in trouble? I better get some help here. Mike, it was sudden. It was right, right when you cross the line, you know, and that, and your uh, heart rate drops and your body core temperature just drops as well. And I, I felt it right away. And I'm, you know, they're pushing you through to get get people through because it's very crowded there. Mm -hmm. And, and I'm like, this, this something's not right. And uh, I went, I made a beeline right to the medical tent, and I've never done that in my life. And uh, Boston wasn't as bad, but I didn't, I didn't really get the hang of it until this, this past year uh, where I ran um, at the Erie Marathon. In, in Pennsylvania, and that was in September. A little and, bit of a homecoming and, for you. Yes. Not really York, but still home state. Correct. Yep. Uh, northwest corner of PA. And uh, I went up there with some friends and my girlfriend, Marcy, who also uh, ran. And uh, I had a really good summer of training here. You know, I I just moved from, you know, Jacksonville last year, um, went from the, the flats of Jacksonville to the hills of Atlanta. And you know, it made such a huge difference. Uh, my weight dropped because I'm, I'm exerting more more energy on the hills. Uh, the the routes were more enjoyable. You know, the, the variety of, of running routes in Atlanta it's it's incredible. We're very, and you probably discovered a lot of places you might not have otherwise, at least in the first year or two of your residence here in Atlanta. Oh yes, like uh, Kennesaw Mountain. Um, I run uh, through uh, Emory, like Lowwater Park. There, um, the river, the Chattahoochee. Um, those are some of my favorite uh, training grounds. So uh, that that helped me immensely in the marathon. I got stronger. Uh, I had I had a more specific plan, a more focused plan. And the other thing was nutrition. You know, if you can get the nutrition right, which I I didn't have down uh, the first couple go arounds, uh, that, that made the, the biggest difference. So as a, just maybe some encouragement, whether you're training for a marathon or not, I know it's so easy for us to sometimes say unpleasant things about the hilly terrain and other parts of what it's like to run in and around Atlanta. You ultimately embraced it, had really, really good results as a result of doing just that. So for those of us that sometimes are want to complain about the hills, taking Sean's approach certainly is going to be better in the long run. And then the other thing it sounds like you did, you just got out and explored. And you had fun with it and you found new routes and you didn't let the routine, even though you had a plan and it required lots of summertime miles, you did not let the routine get stale. The other thing I heard you say is you had a plan. It wasn't just, well, we'll see what happens and I'll even lean into some experience in the past. You had a plan this summer. Was it weekly mileage totals? Was it dependent upon pace? What were the elements of your plan that you think made such a difference? Consistency. Consistency. Uh, most important, I think, for me, uh, it, you know, not not missing days on end of running just because of the laziness or just you know things getting in the way. You know, you 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 set a goal, you stick with it. You know, my thing is you need to write it down. If you write it down, you hold yourself accountable. You have it in full view when you get up in the morning. You know, this is this is what I have to do for the day. 
you accomplish it, you move on to the next day. And, th and that's what marathon running is all about. It, it's a process. And it, you know, if you if you're consistent with with uh, with the training in a marathon, you I mean, you, and it doesn't matter what level of marathon you are. If you're just trying to complete it, you know, it's it's the same process. So that that was the biggest thing for me: consistency. Um, I, I think again, living here in Atlanta now, access to you know trails and the hills, and it just made me stronger. And then the last thing was, again, going back to nutrition. Sure, I, I learned how to point. fuel my body. I took fuel with me on my long runs, learned how to, to run well, you know, eating, which is not always the most comfortable thing. And uh, that, that made a huge difference. I a negative split my race in, in Erie. I've not never done that. Not do in a full marathon. Uh, my, my fastest splits were miles 21 through 25. 20, so you, know. you just started to feel better and better yes. as it went along. Yes. That's where you have the love part of the love-hate relationship with the marathon. Yes. So I'm going to go to my co-host right now, my dear friend <laughs> D2. How are you feeling when you hear Sean talk about these things? Because you're less than a month out from a marathon of your own, and I know you have some aspirations of posting a, a good time, especially for the fact that you're a master at this point. And you have not exactly been doing this every three months for the last three years. No, I mean, so I've only done two marathons, and both of them have been here in Atlanta. So I've had to struggle, uh, you know, uh, with the hills of Atlanta for 26.2 miles. And, you know, the one I'm doing uh, in January is uh, Jekyll Island, so it'll be flat. So I do have that going for me, and that should make it a little bit easier. Consistency, as, as Sean mentioned, is one of those things that, you know, you try to do as much as you can, and, and basically when you're following a plan, it's, it's being deliberate with the plan to stay consistent. And that's something that I've struggled a little bit um, for a variety of reasons. You know, you know, obviously we've had weather come through that's impacted where it's like, oh, I can't run today because there's snow, there's ice, and there's potential danger from running. So I got to do things differently. So I've taken my training, you know, indoors and, and, and run on the treadmill a little bit more often. Even recently, I, I went out and did uh, some, some long distance this past weekend and ended up getting injured. Um, so my, my uh, left hip, uh, I had some issues by Sunday night. I could barely move and was hobbling around. And it was, you know, I, I, I pinched something, tight, something tightened up. I don't know what happened. I'm working through it. I'm feeling much better now. But, you know, because of that, now I've gone, you know, three days without running. And, you know, I'm traveling later in this week. I've got stuff going tomorrow. So, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll go five days now at least without running. Is, is that just a lot of belly aching, Sean? I mean, we hear about weather and travel and sickness and injury. I didn't hear you talking about any of that. Well, I, I mean, I know, you know, Dave very well. And I, he's a busy man and he, you know, he does have a lot. He has a lot on his plate. And, you know, I, I, I can empathize with that. I mean, there, there's days where I, I didn't want to get up and, and run, you know, and but you just have to fight through it and and you know be as consistent as you can that's that's what it boils down to i think that's what's that, that, that's what helped help me so. well and I, and I love you know when we get a chance to harass each other d2 and the cool thing is is we'll check back with you after that race right. we'll let everybody know how it came together and whether you had the same result that sean did well yeah i mean i mean you know these are things that i think everyone kind of goes through so it's just something that people can can relate to it's it's a challenge when you're talking about doing that type of distance it's 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 a daunting distance for anyone who's considering doing it. Even if you've done it, still feels that like, is so true. You know, the marathon distance never is less daunting, no matter how many times you cross. Exactly, the and and we all have things that come up, whether it's family, whether it's work, relationships, or you know weather things that happen. You injury, and the most important thing is to get across that finish line and not to push yourself, you know, too far to where you know you can't even make it to the start line. 
So, you know, at the same time, I am traveling. I am going, you know, down to warmer weather, down to Florida, you know, for about a week. Sean recommended this great loop, the 10-mile yes. clay loop out in Claremont. You know, I've seen some images of it. It's gotten me really kind of energized to, to go out there and, and run and, and put uh, some long miles out there. And uh, so we'll see. You know, for me, this week was really just make sure that I'm healthy and recovered so that when I do go down to Florida, I actually take advantage of, uh, of some great running down there. So, Sean, you're coaching him both on and off air. And one thing I hope everybody did not miss, and there is so much research at this point that supports what Sean said, and that is write down your goals, write down your targets, put them someplace that you can see them all the time. It is motivating. The other thing I would encourage you to do, if you've not already heard the episode we did with Sarah of Good Measured Meals earlier this year, where nutrition was our topic, she did a great job of punctuating some of the things that Sean realized in his race, and that is the critical importance of nutrition. Fernando, I call him Nando X. This is something that will only allow you for a second to think, well, gosh, the marathon, that's not that far. That's not that big a deal. Fernando's big accomplishment this year, you need to check this website out. It is the Grand to Grand Ultra. Grand Staircase Escalante and the Grand Canyon making up both of those grands. It is 170 miles over multiple days. The finishing rate is very low. The ability to get in is very hard. And I will tell you, we are in the midst of a 2017 finisher. There aren't many people on this planet who get to sit this close to one of the finishers this year, and it is our privilege. So before we talk about that, Fernando, same three questions. At what age did you start running? You know, I, I pretty much like everybody, I started you know, during PE. Uh, as I was growing up, it was mainly, I, I did, uh, you know, team sports, uh, baseball, basketball, volleyball. Uh, you know, we had the once a year field day where, you know, the whole school went out and participated. Uh, and track and field events, but I was really not into running uh, at all. Uh, growing up, I was into music, I was into a lot of other things, uh, and, and again, you know, team sports. Uh, but when I joined the service, I had to run, uh, and I hated it. And, uh, but at the time, you know, I used to bicycle race uh, throughout uh, growing up, and, and, uh, and, you know, I lived in in several states uh when i was in the service and in a bicycle race for a while um and through the years i would like everybody you know do the 10k here the the race there uh it wasn't something it was more of a well the, my buddies are doing it let me do that as well um and but the the biggest race that i had done uh at that point uh, i i was living in hawaii i was bicycle racing didn't train didn't run a lot to do it uh, and ran the Honolulu Marathon and ended up, you know, in uh, the 3.30 uh, time frame. Uh, but it was we mainly natural. It was mainly <laughs> too. I know a lot about these guys. I had no idea that they were just naturals. A three hour and 30 second, a three hour, 30 minute, both uh, first marathons. But it was, That's impressive. It was mainly cycling, you know, that I was into. And then, um, you know, again, through the years, you would do a race here and there. And then I, I moved to Atlanta in 94. Um, and same thing, you know, it's just, uh, just staying in shape, uh, around 2009, 2010, joined the Atlanta Triathlon Club, wanted to get into that. I, I could not swim very well. 
I'm pretty much a brick when it comes to swimming. So uh, it was tough, and I started doing duathlons, and I would always do pretty well. And when uh, you know my age you take grew, the swimming out, take the swimming dominated. out, and I could I could go fast on my bike. I could I could go fast running and uh, and do well in my age group. I uh, did that for a while and just kind of concentrated on running, on life and everything else. Um, and this race kept calling me. Uh, I, I had done some speed hiking, doing the uh, the Appalachian Trail from Georgia to North Carolina, just trying to see how fast I could do it with some friends. And um, the, the race just kept calling. Uh, it just kept coming up and I, and I tried to get into it a few years ago. and. It was too late, couldn't get a slot, and then this past year I was I was given a slot. So uh, yeah, I had to I had to do it. All right, before we get to the grand grand, because first you're gonna have to set that up. There are some people who we're just not gonna be able to convince them they gotta go to the website. It may make them feel like whatever they did this year wasn't significant enough. That's not true. Nando X will be the first to tell you, celebrate whatever it is that you did. But let's go back to what you said when you were in the military. You didn't exactly just fully embrace and say, oh, I have this warm feeling about the sport of running. I didn't. didn't. And what ultimately changed? Because I think there are a lot of people, maybe some listening, but if not, those of you who are listening to the Run ATL podcast, you know someone. You would love to see them take their physical fitness a little bit more seriously. You would love them to perhaps run a few miles every week or a few times a month with you, but they just are not interested and you've kind of given up. They're never going to come to it. And yet you did. What was it that ultimately changed? Uh, you know, we can talk. We can talk about uh, you know the everything that that running does for your health, uh, physical health. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk about how you you know you lose weight, you feel stronger. Uh, but for me, it, it has been the spiritual condition that you get from running. It really has. And you didn't uh, find that necessarily in the bike? I or did not. I did not find that in the bike. In the bike, I was, I mean, I loved it. I loved going fast and, 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 you know, struggling going up hills. But there was something about running, especially when I was in my previous profession traveling and I would be, I would go into other countries and be able to run. And it's like you get this sense of what a city is like, what a people's is like. Uh, when you're out there in the midst of them. So it's, it was, to me, it was more of a, a, uh, you know, a spiritual experience every time I would get out running, um, and just not think about anything else other than just check out what's going on around you, put one foot in front of the other. Uh, but it wasn't any, it was not really about the physical conditioning. Well, and maybe it wasn't a structured training plan like what Sean referenced, but you just validated what he did and what he said, and that is get out and explore. And for those of you who do travel or those of you who are in the midst of, gosh, maybe a job that I sometimes want or maybe a life stage that's coming up, I'm going to be on the road on a regular basis. There is nothing in a fitness routine that travels better than a pair of running shoes and a commitment to a running routine. And you obviously found that out firsthand. And and and, and I'll, I'll... Every time that I would go running, even if it just, it was tough, if it was hot or too cold, it's this sense of accomplishment when you're Did you done. hear that, D2? It's, yeah. If it was too cold, he went out and ran. It, it, no, uh, no, no crying about the snow or the ice or the somewhat compromised conditions. The, you know, then there is. I mean, it's, like, and it's always, you know, you always feel that, that, that one mile or a couple of miles that you're like, oh my gosh, why did I get out of the house today? But once you're okay, done. Okay, so maybe a little bit of crying. You know, once you're done, you're, you're like, you're so happy about it. You're, you're energized. It's, uh, and to me, I always go back to how much it does for my mental health. 
you know, how it makes me happy. It makes me feel connected, uh, to everything around me. Uh, so, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's that experience that you get every single time that you run. It's always different. So let's talk about the experience that you had at least one time when you elected to go for a series of runs over a long distance, grand to grand. Help us understand that event better. Before we even talk about what it was like to do it, give everybody the frame up of what it is. Okay, so the Grand to Grand is a ultra stage event, ultra stage endurance run. Um, they have six stages in seven days. First stage is uh, 31.4 miles. Second stage is 27 and 54 miles the third. Then you have two more marathons to go after that. And then an eight mile <laughs> climb up the grand staircase at Bryce Canyon. Um, the race is self-supported, which means you have to carry all your food, all your mandatory gear, which includes sleeping bag and sleeping pad and a bunch of other things that you have to have with you. Um, and the race provides you with cold water throughout the day. They provide you with uh, hot water in the morning and at night so you can rehydrate your dehydrated food that you're carrying. And then uh, they do set up a tent city um, every, every night when you get to the end of the stage. Everything else you have to carry on your back. Um, and you know, you just—it's uh, a crazy thing, and, and but it's an amazing experience. So that—that's a great setup, and and we'll put this in our show notes. But for those of you who are taking notes of your own, it's g two g ultra dot com. You'll be able to take what Fernando just gave us as an overview and build from there, and perhaps figure out your way to the starting line. But now let's go t- with you to the extent that we can live vicariously through that race of yours this year. You're at the starting line. What is going through your mind when you've got six days of marathon or marathon plus distance in front of you and you have yet to take the first step? What's going on between the two ears? You know, oddly enough, it, it, remind, it reminds me a lot um, like, you know, I play drums. And, and every time I've been, I've played somewhere. Um, when I, before I get to the venue, I am a wreck. <laughs> I'm very nervous, but the moment I get there, I'm you very calm, you know, as I, and I'm, and I'm, you know, just into what's going on, very present. Um, and that's what it reminds me of that day. I was having a great time, uh, that morning. They were taking pictures of everybody, uh, before we got on on our first day. There was this, uh, kind of just weird feeling that you were kind of, you were there, but you were watching yourself there, uh, so to speak. Um, and that wasn't the case uh, before I got there. I had a pretty tough year when it came to getting to the race. Uh, well, I remember you were fighting some plantar fasciitis issues throughout the summer. And unlike Sean, perhaps a little bit like D2, you did have some injuries or at least discomfort that you could not just set aside and pretend were not there. Yeah, and you know, and, and it's a good, good you know, we're talking about consistency and I, and, and I did not have that consistency. I had a lot of trouble where there was days that I would wake up in the morning ready to go and I, my feet was just, I couldn't get out of bed without, without, you know, being in pain. Uh, so those days I just, you know, did what I could to come to work and, and be uh, mobile. Uh, and then other days I would get up and I felt nothing wrong and I would get out and, and have a, have a wonderful day and, 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 and get my runs in and get my training in. 
but it was very choppy throughout the year, uh, all the way to, to the race, which, you know, that was one of the things that now looking back, I, I've come back to it a lot is the idea that we are, you know, it's so important for us to always show up. Uh, and I know in years past, I, if I would have, in years past, if I would have been in the situation where I was at a week before I was flying to Utah for my race, I would have just said, you know what? I'm not ready for this physically. I'm not going. Uh, but I felt, but I felt that even though I knew that physically I was not in the condition that I wanted to be, that I needed to be at the starting line. And then you'd roll the dice and you'd see what? show up you know i thought that, that my up. biggest first you know and now looking back the biggest thing that i did this past year was getting on that plane to go to utah to show up to the race it wasn't even finishing the race it was showing up to that race because i knew i had all the doubts about my physical conditioning but i knew that it was important for me to be there uh you know so so i i got there and and the excitement was just amazing. You know, we had people from 26 countries. You made friends throughout that week. Even before we got to uh, the north rim of the Grand Canyon to, to set off on, on, the, on this race, uh, we spent several days in, in Kanab, Utah, and, you know, a lot of people made friends. Uh, so you already, when you got to the first day of camp, you already knew a few people. And uh, I had a friend from uh, Tennessee that she was there racing. Her husband was volunteering, so I already knew them. There was that familiar uh, faces. Um, but uh, when that gun went off, it was, it's like all the, the worries just went away. It was like, get out there. Um, you know, and you hear a lot in, in the ultra community that you run when you can, you walk when you have to, and you crawl if you need to. <laughs> and it was true. I mean, I, I, I knew that I had never run 31 miles. Um, and I had all this stuff on my back, and, and I just, you know, I got on that first day, and I kept thinking, just get to the next checkpoint. So Grand to Grand was your first ultra? Grant to Grant was my first ultra. <laughs> Let unless you that count. sink in, unless ladies you, unless you and gentlemen, in terms of being bold and just showing up, that is seriously impressive. I did not know about that. Yeah. No, uh, no you know, that unless you count warming up and, and running a marathon, yes, that was my very first ultra. Good, good for you. Okay, so before I let our listeners kind of experience the finish line to the fullest extent they can through you, really quickly, give me what was really the high point during those 170 miles, and then conversely, where did you feel like you were at your lowest point? Uh, you know, I, I would say that the highest point, of course, was finishing, uh, and that is because of my lowest points. Uh, I right through um, the uh, the third day, which was a long stage. Halfway through, I was having really bad um, blisters on the ball of my feet. Uh, to the point that, I mean, I got back to camp and I hardly, I could hardly walk. Uh, the medical uh, staff was like incredible and they taped me up and I went to bed thinking, we'll see what happens tomorrow. Uh, so the next, the, the fourth, fifth and sixth stages, I was in a lot of pain. Uh, but I got up every morning and the one thing that kept coming up was like, uh, you know, unless I have something that is broken, I'm going to start the stage. And, uh, and it was, you know, every day it was like, 
just get one foot in front of the other, run when you can, walk when you have to, and get to the next checkpoint. Um, and I and and I got through it. As a matter of fact, the last day, which was uphill, was only eight miles, but it was probably a lot easier than the a few of the days before because it was mostly uphill and I could run without being in so much pain. So um, let me ask you this, and there's a lot of research also that talks about the power of visualization. Could you picture that finish line already on day three or four when the pain set in a major way and each step potentially was really painful? You know, I, 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 cannot, I, can, I cannot say that I pictured the finish line. I was, I guess, longing for, longing mm -hmm. for it, thinking, you know, I want to get there. But I cannot in any way see in myself quitting. Okay. And sometimes I, that's what it is, right? Just keep going. That was it. Uh, I, and, and even, and it was, it was one of those situations where at the end of the day, you know, you get to your tent and somebody of you, one of your tent mates did not make it. And they just take him back to town or to the nearest town or whatever. And, uh, and probably a few times you thought that sounded pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, you know, but you know, you get into a situation where you see, you, you kind of get this feeling. It's like, you know, that can happen to anybody. And there was several experienced ultra runners there that, Decided, you know, I can't do this. Uh, but every day I got up in the morning and I got ready and I was like, I'm going to be back tonight. Um, so I never thought I would quit. Um, but I could not definitely picture the, uh, the finish line. Um, Dick Hoyt does a tremendous job with something that's kind of referred to as the power of a made up mind. And it sounds like you are living proof of that where you made that decision and had your mind made up right out of the gates. You got up, you got to the starting line for the day and off you went. So now take us to the flip side of the start line and it's the last day and the finish line is actually a reality. What's it like as you're getting closer and ultimately crossing? Uh, you know, what was amazing is that I, as I was going through on that last day, I was, you know, of course happy and I thought, you know, I'll, I'll crawl all the way if I have to, if something happens. But I mean, I had, I had a good day. It was, it was a really good day. I, I could, I ran a lot of it. Um, even going up these hills and I didn't have a, a GPS because, you know, you can hardly get any connection with anything over in, in the desert. So I thought I was maybe a couple of miles from the finish, uh, because I was looking at the times and, and all of a sudden I go around this corner and this, Volunteer says, you're, uh, I think he said you're eight, uh, eight tenths of a mile to go. And I was like, are you sure? It's gotta be two miles. He's like, no, eight tenths of a mile. And, uh, that's when I really got excited. That's like, I'm going to do this. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. Um, and I realized that the entire, soon after he said that and I started moving along, I realized that the whole time that I, that I was out there, all those days, I never turned around to look back. I was always looking at everything around me, but I never turned around to look back. Interesting. Um, and when, why do you think that was? I, you know, I, it, to me, this, you know, it, it's, it was all part of my growth as a person, the emotional uh, situation, uh, or, you know, what I got emotionally out of this, this race, because I figured that, you know, I was moving, all I needed to do was keep moving forward. And everything that happened in, behind me, 
I had already experienced. It was what was ahead of me. And um, once I got pretty close to, to the finish line, I had a couple more turns. Um, you know, I, I kept thinking, oh, maybe I should look back now. Maybe I should look back now. And I, by then, I was like, I can't do that, you know. And when I got to the finish line, the two race directors were there, husband and wife, uh, Colin and Tess, and they hug everybody and present you with your belt buckle right there and the pictures and everything else. And I stopped just short of the finish line, and I turned around, and I let out this scream, and, and, I, and I just stopped there and looked back. And I thought, okay, now I can look back. Turned around and went to, you know, cross the finish line. Uh, and to me, that was a lot of leaving a lot of stuff behind uh, and moving, you know, ahead to, with the experience. And I tell you, I, I would do it all over again if somebody said, you're going to suffer through this, you're going to do that. And I would do it all over again. And, and suffer he did. For sure, as he came back to Atlanta, his feet were still all bandaged. Watching him hobble around the stock room was painful for the rest of us. As we do this taping, he still has a boot on his right leg. So there are some scars from that terrific memory, but he said he would do it all over again. And certainly I believe that to be true. A number of powerful metaphors, not just for running, but quite frankly, if you go back and listen again to some of the things that Fernando said, I believe there is instruction for life there. And if you can imagine he said he did not like running when it all started, and yet he has a grand to grand finish as part of his 2017. Grant, Kendall, oh my goodness. Are we going around, and is it possible that we're saving the best for last? <laughs> possible, <laughs> doubtful. Possible, but doubtful. Well, let's, let us see. It is tough to top grand to grand, but we're going to give you every opportunity to do so. But first, when did you start running? Uh, you know, I think my, my parents threw me into sports when I was four or five. I played soccer and ran around a lot there. I don't know if I focused on running really until the 2000 Peachtree Road Race. Okay. So uh, I was probably 14. So you grew up in and around the Atlanta area? Yes. So yeah. another awesome consideration what the AJC Peachtree Road Race does to encourage people to get out there at every age and to stay committed to what we call a pedestrian active lifestyle and your evidence of such. Yes. You're off to a good start to top Fernando. Well, that's Peachtree the, Road Race in your history. Um, yeah, so yeah, the Peachtree the peach was fun uh, and and that encouraged me to, to focus more on running uh, than you know, soccer, baseball, basketball, and, and everything else. How did you fare in that first Peachtree? Uh, terribly, yeah. yeah it was, good, I bet there are a lot of people who can relate to that. First <laughs> Peachtree didn't go so well. Yeah, it's... I. I hadn't focused on any sort of training plan. I figured, you know, I, I play sports and that's going to be enough. Uh, but I, I wasn't ready for the heat uh, or the hills or the humidity. <laughs> so run ATL? Yeah, let's just throw that in there. Uh, so, yeah, the first one was, was pretty rough, but lessons learned from that. And uh, I've done it, I think, every year since. Um, and it's gotten better and better. So you've got a streak of 17 or 18 going eight, now. Yeah, 18 was this past year. Congratulations. See, I get to learn things about this cool crew that I sometimes wouldn't otherwise just by having you on here. So 18 AJC Peachtree Road Races in a row. Yep. 
Can you tell us which one has been the most enjoyable? Or if you think about that entire collection of the same race, what moment is like, oh my gosh, when somebody asks me about the Peachtree Road Race, I automatically tell them about this. Uh, really, it's the volunteers that, that do it. I, I can't remember how many thousands of volunteers there are, but uh, you know, with 60,000 people right now, it's you can't put that on without the help of a lot of folks throughout the city. So uh, it's... It's not a race where many people would set a PR. Uh, it's it's hilly, and you're surrounded by tens of thousands of other people, so you can't you're not hitting that finish line uh, as quickly as you may in a flatter course. But uh, having the opportunity to thank the volunteers as you're running by, uh, and really just focus on it being a fun event and and not uh, not pushing through everybody and trying to trying to break a, break any sort of time there. Well, and you mentioned fun, which is certainly one of the calling cards of the AJC Peachtree Road Race. I believe the volunteers not only add to the fun, but they also have a lot of fun. So for those of us who have family members that may not join us, whether it's July 4th, 2018, or perhaps ever, my goodness, it sounds like you would encourage them. I know the rest of us would do the same to think about volunteering because that's very much a part of what makes that race so special. So perfectly enough, you are wearing maybe one of my favorite race tees that I've ever seen on any of our team members. And yet I've never really had the good fortune of asking you about this event. So to make sure everybody knows exactly what Grant is wearing, and perhaps if you have young children listening right now, it is time for the earmuffs. The Fig Leaf 5K is indeed a race. It takes place at a clothing optional resort in Dawsonville, Georgia, I believe. I've only heard of the event. I've never heard all about the event. That changes now. We asked what it was like for Fernando to stand at the start line with a rare breed of athlete. What is it like to stand at a start line without any clothing on and others who are in the exact same condition as you? Uh, it's, it's wonderfully uncomfortable. <laughs> the first year, the first year I did it, uh, it was kind of that uh, a little bit of reluctance. It, it's clothing optional, and so you have the option of keeping your clothes on. And so, so, what's the percentage? Because I have to believe that I actually would feel maybe more. If I could imagine feeling more uncomfortable with clothing on, that might be the place. There's yes. So, and, and it's it's both male and female. Uh, and so I know we have uh, a mixed audience listening right now. Uh, a lot of the women will run with uh, support tops on for comfort. Um, it's, a, it's a good idea for a number of reasons. We can get into all the technical specifications of why you should wear a sports bra. Yes. This is could. not the time to do that. This, and it won't be. Uh, but so you have, uh, <laughs> you have uh, a, lot of, a lot of women are, are wearing tops. Uh, but really, maybe twenty percent of the people. So have now, and I on. just and again, fully recognizing that this is not a question I'll ever get to ask again on the Run ATL. But you dragged us into this, all right? I, the women who are making conscious choices about protecting their upper body have a support. Are they without pants on then? Uh, many are. Just wanted to make sure I, I was able to put this all together. So they've got support tops on, making good choices, wise choices about protecting their girls. And then at that point, they're like you and they're without clothing the rest of the way. Yeah. Yeah. 
So it's it was it was interesting. You know, the first year you, you get I went into it and I I was hesitant. The first year, how many years have you run this? Uh, <laughs> oh my! So he's got eighteen AJC Peachtree Road Race finishes. What, how many Figley Five? What's it? What's what's the streak? Oh, D two with the one line. Well done. Yes. Uh, no, it went it went I think four years, uh, and it gets more and more comfortable each year. Um, I hadn't been to a nudist resort or clothing optional resort before. Um, and so I, I went there, had my pants on, uh, standing in line, ready to get my number. And uh, someone behind me asked a question. I turned around and there was this like, oh, he's not wearing any clothes. Play it cool. And, and then we just like carried on a conversation. And, uh, and I went and did my warm up with still clothed and uh and it's a a clothing optional resort so people live there and uh when i was running one of the trails uh near some of the near some of the homes uh, i turned a corner and there was a guy in his slippers and drinking his coffee and that was it and and he was so you still have your clothes on at this point i did yeah yeah, okay yeah and so I, i was feeling uh i was comfortable knowing that i was clothed but then i felt a little bit of a little out of place uh, so while I could have still stayed clothed, uh, it felt a little more natural uh, not to be. So. so at that point, the dude's drinking his coffee. He's in his says comfy slippers, but nothing else. And now you're inspired to take your clothes off. Or how does it work? That's so a weird transition. But yeah, best understand to the extent that I can. When all of a sudden you feel so liberated, you're just going to take off your running clothes. The first time it was a little. Uh, I was hesitant and yeah, threw him off at the car right before the start of the race. But then afterwards, uh, everyone's. Just Kind of hanging out. Uh, <laughs> Man, the one line, one night only at the punchline, this same crew, please come see us. Hey, hey. Yeah, so, so people are just, everyone's, everyone's just around without, um, without clothes and, and you carry on conversation and it's, it's really, it was a, it became a very comfortable environment and it wasn't, it wasn't sexual or, um, yeah, there wasn't any like anything uncomfortable about it. Everyone was just there without clothes. I mean, there's a maturity, apparently. Yeah, yeah. you have to. You can't. You can't be immature about it. There are rules to those areas. So, so I'm going to ask some questions that all of our listeners are just begging me to ask. So, is there an award ceremony where now you have to put certain nude people up on a platform in front of everybody else where if you finish third or second or first, now not only are you receiving an award where that's all that's on your body is that metal that's hanging around your neck, but you're standing in front of everybody to evaluate what kind of shape you're in or what your figure looks like. Does that exist at this race? It's interesting. You, everyone's, very, everyone's very mature and respectful about that. So the first year, I, you know, Derobe before the event, and then shortly after, you know, throw my pants back on. Um, but the second year and on, it was just hanging out. There it is again. <laughs> it's that's anyway. It was yeah. You're just spending time uh, out at the resort. Um, it's important to remember sunscreen in places you don't normally sunscreen. Uh, they do have a pool, and you can launch. So, what time of year does this race take place? So, you mentioned sunscreen. Uh, it's in late April. Okay, so late April in North Georgia, it can still be a little bit chilly. 
Are there people yes. who make their clothing or clothing optional choice based on the temperature, or is it you're either in or you're not in on the whole yeah. take it off and get going thing? You know, I think once you commit to doing a race like this, if it's cold, there are certain things that happen when you run that it doesn't really matter how what the temperature is. So this is why I think it's so important that we unpack this. Because there are people, I believe, who are part of our audience, perhaps part of this crew here, that are going to have to get uncomfortable to get past something that is holding them back from doing or finishing or achieving something that they could do. How did you get past the discomfort of that first time <laughs> taking your clothes off and saying, I'm going to do this and we'll just kind of see what happens? And maybe it will be met with success, or maybe this will be a one and done, and I will never have any interest in retelling the story again. How sure. do you get past that? Uh, yeah, that was it's it was difficult. Uh, just trying something new, I think, was important. Um, and once I once I tried it the first year, uh, after that, it, it was pretty simple. So just yeah. so experience matters. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's that was helpful, and, and with all the events that I've done, um, the uh, it was good to have done it before. But really, just pushing yourself to to get over um, to get over trying something new was was the big thing for me. I I can't say what motivated me to do it or not. So I have to ask, how did you finish? Best year? Did you ever win it? Uh, I got third one year. Did pretty well in the race too. Um, so I got third. I got third my first year, fourth my second year, fifth my third year, and sixth my fourth year, and uh, and then I retired. Retired. So we'll and now you've got almost two years of marriage under your belt. Mm -hmm. Is this something you see you and your spouse going back and kind of reliving your glory days at the Paradise Valley Resort, or is that something that you're just going to let live in the past, and and you and your wife will get a chance to do other events, but perhaps in a completely different mindset than what you were I there. I won't speak for her. Uh, <laughs> Very wise. <laughs> the number of marriage years seem to be far less than what you're speaking. You sound like you've been at it for a couple of decades. Uh, I've, I've, uh, I can say I've inquired about running the event. It's been a few years since I've done it and I hope one day to do it again. Uh, but uh, yeah, we'll have to, we'll have to see what, what future years bring us. So there it is, D2. He is on the record that it is an aspiration yet again. We're going to take a very quick break. We'll be right back with some final guidance from this esteemed crew as all of us together run ATL into 2018. Do not go anywhere. With cooler tips now in the forecast, it's time to put away the short sleeves and pick up one of our long sleeve run ATL shirts or hoodies. The soft light cotton material will feel comfortable and it's also highly moisture wicking to keep you dry and warm. For the first time, we're introducing a lightweight quarter zip run ATL pullover, which includes a zippered pocket and a ventilated mesh panel. Reward yourself with any run ATL shirt or gift one to someone this holiday season. They're available at all seven Big Peach Running Company locations and online at bigpeachrunningco.com. And welcome back to the Run ATL Podcast, our Christmas edition. As we finish out 2017, one of the things that we certainly felt like made sense, D2, was to take this crew, even ourselves, we're thinking about 
the new year already. We're giving ourselves some guidance. We're making some proclamations. And now we're going to do it publicly. Let everybody listen in on what is hopefully good advice that we're giving to each other and to ourselves. So T2, I'm going to start with you. What is that advice or counsel that you can kind of hear yourself saying to yourself that you would let everyone else in on? I'd say do everything intentionally. Um, don't do something haphazardly or without um, being thoughtful or pointed about it. Um, so if you're going to do something, actually do it. Be intentional. I said earlier, he is well wise beyond his years. Yet again, you have proven that. Sean, how about you? I think uh, my theme for this upcoming year, I'd say um, get out of your comfort zone. I think uh, for myself uh, in, the, in the past, it's been tough for me to, to, to get out of uh, uh, this routine and, and break free from that. And uh, and again, it goes back to trying something new, you know, with my running. I was Perhaps the Fig Leaf 5K, since Grant's not planning on going back right away. Perhaps, perhaps. It's, you know, we'll have to see. Um, but yeah, you know, be out there, get out of the comfort zone, um, be, be a little more aggressive than maybe you've been in the past. Get out of your comfort zone. I love your, your transparency. I mean, that's kind of who you are. It's one of the things I've really come to appreciate, appreciate about you. But get out of your comfort zone. Be aggressive. Great advice and a great segue to the Grand to Grand Champion. What do you think, Fernando? Uh, you know, I, I would, again, I would say show up. Uh, and show up. Uh, find out why is it that you want this goal. And so once you find the why, then show up or show up for yourself. Because the why should always be about you and how this experience is going to serve you. Uh, and that's what I'm looking forward uh, to 2018 is uh, to show up. You know, show up for me. Because I think I'll be better for others uh, when I show up. Uh, and first and foremost, uh, for me. That's, so show up and give yourself permission to show up for yourself. And I think that is oftentimes really hard for us that we're doing things for others, rightfully so. We're making concessions for others as we should. But every once in a while, we just need to give ourselves permission, not just to show up, but to show up for ourselves. That's a great And we're better, we're better for others when we show up for ourselves. Gosh, isn't that true? We really are. Awesome. Go back and listen to that again because of the truth contained therein. Grant Kendall, what do you think? Uh, try something new. So whether... Uh, wherever you are with your with your training, if you're still sitting on the couch, try 5K. If you've been doing 5Ks for a while, bump it up. Look into triathlons, uh, duathlons, races where you don't have to wear clothes. <laughs> it's, uh, you may find you like you like it. Running naked, <laughs> or whatever it might be, or yeah, anything else. But try something new and, and don't limit yourself. Well, and I think that's really, really cool because it's easy for us to suggest, well, we just got to keep getting better at what we've always done and we got to keep striving for faster or longer. But I think you take us on an appropriate detour and that is every once in a while, perhaps very frequently, we need to try and do something new. Very, very cool. D2, you and I are not exempt from this exercise. How about you, my friend? 
So, I mean, I think, you know, what everyone said, it's great advice, but whether you're trying something new, whether you're pushing yourself and, and, and doing all this, you know, there's, you know, you're not always going to be successful at it. You may find you may not like it. You may find that you fail at something, and that's okay. You know, um, you know give yourself permission, you know, and, and, and say, you know, don't beat yourself up over it. It's like you can try again, enjoy the process, Show up, as Fernando said, at the at, you know at the start. If you can't make it to the start because you push yourself too hard or you're injured or whatever it may be, then you know then you know I see that as failure. Make sure that you're you're physically and mentally uh, able to make it to that start line, and um, and don't beat yourself up. I mean, you know, you, I know you 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 know you know you make excuses as belly aching stuff. It's okay to do that. You know, it's like don't take things so seriously. Because, you know, this is fun. This is, you know, we're, we're not elites. We're, we're not making money off of, off of races. So you know, enjoy the process. Enjoy the journey. And then, and, and then, you know, when you cross the finish line, just take it all in. And it's, and it's okay if it doesn't go perfect the first time. There's always another one. Give yourself some space. Be human and make sure that it's not perfection that determines whether you stick with it. That's very, very cool. And the one thing I'll say, and in fact, this is very much the epitome of this and the blessing that I have to work with not just these gentlemen around me right now, but our organization and those who I believe are the greatest persons in the world, our guests and those who we interact with in our business. But do not think ever that you are alone. You are not alone. You are on a journey and it is one of those things where I can promise you it is better with others. So if you have not already made the commitment to put yourself out there, know that you should because you will meet people and you will ultimately spend time with people that will make you feel better about who you are and that you will bring something to their life that you will be very, very proud of. And at this point, we say seasons, Greetings to everyone on the Run ATL podcast. D2, this was our first year. It has been a tremendous joy. You and I have made the commitment to keep this going in 2018. It's been a pleasure working with you. I appreciate everything that you've done to not only bring this to life, but to keep it going. Gentlemen, you've been terrific. We said you were special guests, but more importantly, you are special people. So thank you for everything that you do. That'll conclude the Christmas Day edition of the Run ATL podcast. We will be back in 2018, just two weeks from now. In the meantime, as we always say, and as we certainly hope, may your best miles be those covered on foot.